The fear of failure. The fear of losing control. The fear of the unknown. There's so many things that might cause us to fear in our lives, aren't there? But one of the greatest fears that many people face is the fear of what will happen to them after they die. And this is the very fear we come face to face with in the verses before us this morning where we get a glimpse of what is to come with the final judgment. It's a day that will bring either relief or demise. We can find ourselves fearing what our final judgment is going to be. Now, leading up to our verses for today, Jesus' disciples had just asked him what the signs would be for the end of the age. So Jesus has been describing to his disciples what the end is going to be like with a series of parables telling them various truths. And the truths Jesus had just revealed to his disciples that nobody knows when the end is going to come, so now is the time to make sure one is prepared for it. And Jesus also just told his disciples to hold on to their faith and to produce works that flow from it as they wait for this day to come. That takes us to the verses before us this morning where Jesus speaks a parable to explain what the final judgment is going to be like. It's a scary scene for some, but it's a scene of comfort for Christians because Christ has given us peace of mind. And Christ has given us peace of mind because He has won for us the gift of an inheritance of eternal life in heaven. And because of this, Christ has given purpose to our lives here on the earth as we wait for this day to come. Now, in the scene that Jesus portrays, we see that when he comes again to the earth, it is going to be in the fullness of his power and might. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. And Jesus' second coming is going to be much different than his first. Rather than being a scene of humility, it's going to be a scene, well, a scene where the fullness of his power is on display with his army of angels accompanying him. And when Jesus returns, well, it's going to be for the purpose of separating believers from unbelievers for the final judgment, which is going to seal the fates of everyone who has ever lived. All nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And once this separation takes place, with sheep who are believers at his right side, which is an honorable and favorable position, and with the goats who are unbelievers at his left side, which is an unfavorable and dishonorable position. Well, Christ is then going to proclaim the judgment for both of these groups. The king will then say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. The believers receive a favorable judgment. And notice the word that Jesus uses to describe what the believers receive because it's critical to our understanding. Jesus says the believers receive an inheritance that has always been prepared for them. And do you see the significance of this? An inheritance is not something that a person receives because they've earned it in any way in their life. 
No, an inheritance is something that a person receives because they're a part of a family. And Jesus' point here is clear. Believers receive the gift of an inheritance of eternal life in heaven, not because they've earned it in any way in their lives, but because they've been given the gift of faith. Faith which brought them into the family of God. Faith which led them to put their trust in Christ as their Savior from sin. And this has always been God's plan for His faithful believers. So believers never have to worry about what the future holds for them. While believers hear this favorable judgment, unbelievers hear something far different. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, which is prepared for the devil and his angels. The reason for this harsh judgment is because unbelievers reject God and his message of free forgiveness. They therefore receive a judgment that was never meant for the crown of God's creation. They go to the place that was prepared for the devil and all of his evil angels. A place of eternal suffering and punishment. And the rejection of God brought this judgment on themselves. And as we look at this scene of the final judgment, we can find ourselves fearing what the future holds for us because we see the signs of the end all around. Wars, natural disasters, it's no surprise that the end is drawing near and with that, the final judgment. And the question we need to ask ourselves is what are we looking to to know what our judgment is going to be? The attempt we might take is to, to look at the things that we do in our lives, whether it be coming to church on Sunday morning, going to, to Bible study, doing personal devotions, or, or helping others. We might look to all these God-pleasing things and put our confidence in them. But if we do that, well, this is a very dangerous thing to do. Because if we're putting our confidence in what we as sinful and flawed human beings do, then our hope in salvation is not on a sure foundation. Now understand that all those things I just mentioned are things that we should do and are things that God truly does desire for us to do. But in terms of what we put our confidence and hope in for our salvation, there is only one thing that we can look to. And that is Christ. The one who came into this world that very first time in humility so he could accomplish his heavenly Father's plan of salvation. The plan that God himself put into place before the creation of the world. Where God decided that he loved the crown of his creation way too much to let them face condemnation for the sin that was brought into this world by Adam and Eve and for the sins that they daily fall into. So God sent his very own son into this world to live the perfect life in our place and to suffer the punishment that our sins deserved on the cross and to rise three days later to assure us that he has risen for our justification. It is only because of Christ that we receive the gift of an inheritance of eternal life in heaven. A gift that has freely been given to us through the gift of faith. 
The faith which God himself has worked into our hearts as we've heard the gospel message. The faith which leads us to hold on to and to cling to Christ as the one who has done everything for us. And the Christ one gift of our inheritance in heaven has won for us peace of mind because it assures us that Christ truly has done everything in our place. But the Christ one gift of our inheritance does more than just give us peace of mind. It also gives purpose to our lives here on the earth as we await the day for the final judgment to come. We see that in the scene of the final judgment that Jesus portrays, well, he notices a key difference in his believers. For I was hungry, and you gave me food to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was lacking clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And the believers performed acts of selflessness for others. They saw others in need, and they helped them. And the believers, hearing of these acts that they did, have no recollection of ever performing them. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you? Or lacking clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? The surprise of the believers shows an important truth. Their God-given faith led to a natural change in their lives. A change which demonstrated that God himself had been at work in them. And what God worked in them was the desire to help others. And they didn't do these things to earn a reward. Remember, the gift had already been fully and freely given to them. The believers performed these actions out of love for what Christ himself had already fully and freely done for them. And Christ mentions that what these believers did for others, they even did for him. The king will answer them. Amen, I tell you, just as you did it for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. These acts of kindness done by the believers were done for the outcast of society, the lowest of the low. Ones who could give nothing in return for an act of service done for them. One that the disciples very easily and believers very easily could have taken advantage of. But just as Jesus served all people during his ministry, so too believers through their God-given faith. And Christ rejoiced at the faith-produced works that he saw in his believers' lives. While he rejoiced at the faith-produced works in believers' lives, well, the unbelievers hear a far different story about their lives. For I was hungry, and you did not give me food to eat. I was thirsty, and you did not give me anything to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Lacking clothes, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not take care of me. And they will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger or lacking clothes, or sick or in prison, and did not serve you? And Jesus will reply, Amen, I tell you, just as you did not do it for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. 
where the believers wanted to help those who were in need. The unbelievers only focused on how they could serve themselves. And the reason for this difference is because they rejected the message of free forgiveness through the work of Christ. And so there was no motivation to do these works. There was no desire to live their lives out of thanks for what Christ had done for them. And like the believers, well, the unbelievers too are shocked hearing about these things. But their shock is because they didn't even notice the opportunity to do these things in their lives. Because they were only focused on helping others if they could possibly get something in return. And Jesus, after describing what he saw in everyone's lives among these two groups, then proclaims judgment on them. And they, the unbelievers, will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Now, the different judgments we hear that Jesus proclaims aren't because of the works that were done by both of the groups. Jesus only listed the works to identify if there was faith present or not. No, it was the believer's God-given faith that led to them receiving the inheritance of eternal life in heaven. And it was the unbeliever's rejection of this faith that led to them facing eternal punishment in hell. And the believers, through their God-given faith, could live their lives on earth with peace of mind, knowing that this is what the future judgment held for them. And the believers lived their lives with the purpose here on earth of serving anyone they saw in need out of response to what Christ himself had done for them. As we look at our verses, we see Jesus proclaim that the believers in the final judgment performed works of service for those who are in need. And we too have this desire in our own lives. And through the faith that God has worked into our hearts, we have a desire to help those who are in need. But while we have this desire, we find that our sinful natures sometimes lead us to have the wrong motivations and purposes when it comes to doing this work. Maybe they lead us to only want to serve those in need if it's someone close to us, a friend, a family, or a loved one. But when it comes time to help someone who happens to be a stranger, and someone who happens to be the, the lowliest of the lows by today's standards, do we always find the same compassion in our hearts? Do our sinful natures lead us to only want to help others if we can somehow get something in return? Whether it be helping this person or that person, thinking that we can hold on to this thing that we just did and get something back from them at some point in the future, using it as a they-owe-me-one. Or, does our sinful nature lead us to, to just want to help somebody else so that we get that good feeling about ourselves and, and can pat ourselves on the back for this amazing thing that, that we did and think that God is looking so highly upon us because of the works that we do in our own lives? And our sinful natures can lead us to have the wrong motivations and purposes when it comes to helping those in need. And this is why it's so important for us to focus on the work that Christ himself accomplished for us through his life, death, and resurrection. Because it's through this message and this message alone that God is going to strengthen the faith that he has worked into our hearts.
the faith which clings to Christ as our Savior from sin, and the faith which has produced amazing works of service to those in need in all of our lives. And just as Jesus mentioned to the believers during this scene of the final judgment, we might not even have a recollection of all of the things that we do. But the reality is is that where there is faith in one's heart, there are amazing acts of love done for others, not to earn heaven, but out of response to the love that Christ has shown to each and every one of us in winning for us the inheritance of eternal life in heaven. And because of the faith that God himself has worked into your hearts, well, on that last day during the final judgment, you can know that he's going to look at you and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Have you ever feared what the final judgment is going to bring for you? On our verses for today, we see that this is a day that we don't need to be afraid of, but rather is a day that we can look forward to. And it's a day that we can look forward to because Christ has given us peace of mind, assuring us that on that day, we will receive the inheritance that he himself has prepared for us by winning us the forgiveness of sins through his life, death, and resurrection. And we get to currently live our lives here on the earth with the amazing purpose of living our lives out of love for what Christ himself has done for each and every one of us. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.